Come on, let's give Jesus a hand in the house. Come on. Come on, Australia. We can do better than that. Let's give Jesus a hand. Come on, let's celebrate him. So good. And you guys are alive. You guys, you guys get extra sleep than the other campus because you guys are really awake. I love this. I love this. You guys may be seated. You guys may be seated. Um, yeah, I, again, I, you know, as a pastor, I know what it's like when you, uh, when you do offering and you're, you know, you're, you're wanting to, to accomplish so many things for God's kingdom. And uh, this pastor and I were talking about that yesterday, and, 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 and one of the other, other facets of that is uh, my dad always shared this w- with me as well. He said, he said son, you, you want to live your life open-handed and not close-fisted. In other, in, other words, in other words, whatever God's putting in you, he wants to flow through you. And so if you live your life this way, you, be, you become a reservoir. And, and, and I don't know about you if you know what a reservoir is. Uh, in the, I mean, he, in the States, they get real stagnant and dirty and, and messy and smelly, and, and people start to complain about it. And, you know, if you're a reservoir in the church, if you're a person that's a reservoir, then you'll never, you'll never know what it's like for rivers of living water to flow through your life. It's always, it's always open-handed and not closed-fisted. And we just want to live our life that way as followers of Jesus. Why? Because, because it reflects Him. It reflects Him in the earth. You know, Pastor Shane Willard always talks about bringing heaven to earth for, for others. That's exactly what we're here to do. We're here to invade earth with the presence of God, which is heaven. And to restore all things, to make things whole again, exactly what Jesus did for us. We want to see in other people's lives, so you live your life this way and not this way. I just want to encourage you to do that, because you're sowing on good ground. Listen, Pastor Mark and Nina, oh my gosh, they're amazing pastors, and I love them so much. Uh, I met Pastor Mark actually back in 2013. He came to our church to speak. Uh, actually, it was through Pastor Shane Willard, uh, made the connection. And, uh, and so it's taken us 10 years to circle back around to this and, and, and reconnect again, but it's been, been an amazing time with your pastors, and I, I just want you to give them a, give them, uh, give them a hand as well, because they're, they're doing a great work, and man, your location pastor's awesome too, Pastor Joe, he, he, uh, he he's pretty, he's pretty amazing, um, I've never known anyone to take a message that you spoke and then preach it again right after it closing and did a better job than you did. In a shorter amount of time, he did that yesterday. It was pretty good with the men's conference thing. We were doing a men's breakfast thing, and and so I got up and spoke. And man, Joe gets up, takes the mic, give me that mic. He's just he's like you know, in Joe fashion. You know what I'm saying? Just give me that thing. You know, he, he, I'm like, okay, man, sure, take it. And then he got up there and just shared his heart, and I was like, man, that's better than what I did. And so he's awesome. He's amazing, isn't he? He's an incredible location pastor. We love him. Um, yeah, I want to share with you about encounters with God. And when, it, when I think about an encounter with God, well, first of all, I do want to give my, I think I have, we have a picture of my, of my family where, or, somewhere. Oh, yeah, there they are. There they are. So uh, those two strapping young lads, um, ladies, I do want to let you know they are single. Okay, just, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. They are single. And uh, that's uh, Garrett on the end and Bryson on that end. And, and my lovely wife of 33 years sitting on the front row down here who has... Who's had to put up with all of this? You know what I'm saying? Who's just put up with all of this? And so those, those are my two boys. And so my my oldest is a is an emergency department nurse, and uh, at, at Johns Hopkins uh, uh, Hospital downtown Baltimore. 
And, uh, and then my, uh, my other one there on, 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 on your right, yes, on your right, is uh, jumps out of airplanes for a living. He's a uh, part of the 82nd Airborne uh, in the Army, and so he's uh, serving the military, and so that's what they do. And so, so thank you so much for having us, and I hope that this message just does something in your heart and your life today. Because I just want to, here's the thing when I think, when I think uh, of, of turning the dial a little bit. If you're a negative 10 when it comes to God, all I want to get you is to a negative 9 today. I do. I don't want to take you all the way to zero and start to, start to I, I just want to start to turn the dial a little bit for you. That, that, that's, that's the most important. If you're a plus one, like you're just starting off, man, you're, you're like, you know, starting off in, in just in your life in Christ. I want to take you to a plus two today. And, and I, I really want to encourage just having not just an explanation about God, because I think it's good. I think theology is good. I think it's amazing. I think it's incredible. If you're expecting Shane Willard, sorry. Um, you know, I mean, he, there's only one Shane Willard. If you, if you know who I'm talking about in the room, you, you know what I'm talking about. But, but, so there's only one of him. But, but, but my, my whole goal today is, is really that it's not just about an explanation, but it's really about an encounter with God. It's about an encounter that will change your life forever. And that's my story. That's everybody's story in this room. And, and, so, and so when I think about this, when I think about an encounter with God, I think of, I think of, of moments where we, we actually think that we go to encounter God. The problem with that is it's probably a little bit of bad theology, but yeah, I get it. You start to engage and become aware of the presence of God, but the presence of God was already there before you even stepped there. Before you even stepped into this room today, God's here waiting. Before you got out of your car, He was waiting in the car for you. It's, it's just a matter of awareness and having an awareness of the presence of God in our life. And I think, and I think that's, that's what it comes down to. And there's so many different things that we struggle with in life that keeps us from stepping into that space, right? Keeps us from stepping into those moments with God. And so it's, it's, it's like there's nothing that we can do because God engages it all. You know, you were talking about it a little bit earlier, uh, Joe. You're stepping right into my, my right into the message a little bit, talking about how God enca- engages us, right? And and it's it's one of those moments where He is the initiator in it. Just like all the husbands in the house, I want to tell you something real quick. Listen, you are the covenant initiator in your marriage, and by the covenant initiator in your marriage, you assume the greater responsibility in seeing that marriage fulfilled. And all the ladies said in the house, "Amen." I, I think I needed to hear a bigger "Amen" than that from the ladies, but. And all the ladies in the house said, amen, Amen, because they are the covenant initiator, and God is the same way. He was the covenant initiator with us. Christ was the covenant initiator with us through the cross and what he did for the cross. It's not about what you've done. It's about what he's done already for you. That he was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. The book of Revelations tells us that. So even even before you sin for the first time, and I know I'm not talking to anyone in here that's ever sinned, because we're all perfect at this campus. But before you even sin for the first time, there was forgiveness already waiting for you. That's the beautiful part about the jail cell. Is that it's a wonderful noise when you hear the jailer come over and unlock the cell. How do I know that? I spent the day in jail. And I'm going to leave you hanging because I didn't tell the last campus, so I can't tell you. I'll let your pastor tell you later. But I remember that time where, where the, the bars, the, it closes behind you, and it's like a, an eerie feeling. You're stepping in there, and I, I stepped into w- with one of the biggest guys I think I've ever seen in my life. 
how many of us know there was a jailhouse conversion happening right there? I'm sharing Jesus as much as possible at that moment, right? Hoping that he says yes to Jesus and he doesn't pummel me, you know? And, and so, but, but, but it's like, it's like when, you're, when you're, you're in a place like that and when that, that door is open, there's nothing like stepping out into that freedom. See, that's the beautiful part about serving Jesus is, is the door is already unlocked. You're just choosing to stay in the cell. All you have to do is make that step and push the door open. It's already open for you. See, God is already there. He's already waiting for us. So to encounter him, he's, he's, he's been waiting the whole time. It's just a matter of becoming more aware of the presence of God in our life. Because, because when you encounter God, it's, it's really his love. His love really connects us, right? It's that moment. I, I remember when I met my wife, uh, Pearl, for the first time. She was crossing the bridge at college, Joe. I'll never forget it. And I was like, I went, oh, my. You know, it's one of those moments. It's like you just feel it. Like you're just like, it's like my heart's going, you know, it just starts beating out of my chest. And I'm like, I didn't know what to say. I'm fumbling over it. And she was with somebody else. And I'm like, I just didn't know what to say. But I thought, man, this, this young lady is smoking hot. Like I just, like, like it was just one of those moments. And, and here's the thing, Joe, I took my heart out and I placed it like out there. You know, I just put it out there. Guess what? She slapped it. She slapped it. Slapped my heart. She's like, oh, no, not, not today. It's like one of those moments like, not today, Satan, not today. You know, just slapped my heart, right? But, but I, I want to tell you something, guys. All the single guys in the house, persistence is the key. Because what happens over time, you just wear them down until they say yes. That's how you marry up. And I want to promise you, I married up. If you, if you have no idea, the guys know a little bit from yesterday, but if you have no idea my background and my lineage, oh, I come from a long line of rednecks and hillbillies from the mountains of West Virginia. Listen, I, I want to tell you that it, sometimes in the family you have a full set of teeth. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you know, parts of the family had full sets, some other ones didn't. It was like it, just okay. That, that's my background, right? So I married way up. I did not lead with that. You never lead with your redneck hillbilly family when you're going into a relationship. You just lead with you have it all together. You bring as many flowers as you can. You take them out to ha- so many dinners to dine them. And, and so, so, yeah, that's, that, that, that was our story. But, but love, love connects. And, and that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He, he connected us. God connected us. He's our creator, and he connects us. And through that connection, there's a clarity. There's something that becomes clear when you connect with your creator. And when you connect with your creator, that clarity creates a confidence. We call it back in Baltimore a Godfidence. It's a confidence. A confidence, knowing what you're facing. And, and, then, and then that confidence creates what we would call courage to run into anything. And we see that story in the Old Testament. We see the story of, of how God goes to Israel, His people, and says, listen, I'm going to make this people my own. And they can do nothing for me. They're in 400 years of slavery in Egypt, but I'm going to bring them out because I'm going to bring them out as eagles' wings. And I'm going to show that I love them. And I'm going to place my life in them. And it's going to change them. But how many of us know when you come out of something like that, you're running from something? And that's exactly what they were doing. They were running from the enemy. 
So when love connects, you're, you, may be, you may be running from something at the initial stage of your relationship with God, but God wants to do something in you. And so what took them a few, would have taken them a few days to get to the promised land, it took them 40 years. Because God is more interested in your character than your comfort. So God is working on you in that space, in that moment. And then finally, when they can go into, they understand. See, they went from this love connection to clarity of what God wanted for them. And it took them from that clarity moment into a place where it gave them the confidence to go as they walked into the promised land to face the enemy instead of run from the enemy. That's exactly what God wants to do in your life. It's the process that God has for you to face whatever giants are in your life to give you the courage to battle it. I said that to say this in Scripture. Let's, let's open up God's Word real quick. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 16 through 18. It says that whenever though they turn, this is Paul talking to the church of Corinth, whenever they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil. I love that. It's, uh, the veil is just simply this. It's, it's a thing that prevents you from uh, something being understood. So God lifts the veil that when you come into the presence of God, when you, when you encounter God, when you encounter Jesus, when you encounter the Holy Spirit, when you encounter that moment, it, there's a veil that starts to lift and you start to see, right? You start to have what? Clarity. There's that love. There's that connection that takes place. But then there's a clarity that comes with that. And, and, so, and so there's a veil that is lifted. And, and, and that's, that's what we want to do today, right? We want to lift uh, some of the hopeless situations that you feel that you're in today. We want to lift that veil so you can see hope. We, we want to lift the veil if you're physically going through something today. If, if there's something in your body, the doctors have said one thing, and, and, and so you're battling something uh, physical, that we want to lift the veil that says that, and, and that we can see that by His stripes you're healed. We, there, there's a veil that when you encounter the presence of God that it starts to lift off of your life to where you can see a breakthrough coming, right? Maybe you're, there's been resistance in your life, but, but, but the veil is lifted and you see, you know what? There's a breakthrough that's coming in my life. There's a veil that can lift when you encounter the presence of God. And then they turn and, then they, and, then, and there they are face to face with God. Now, there's one thing that there's, we'll always have in this life. We'll always have resistance. There's always going to be resistance. If you fast forward to the next chapter, in, in chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Satan, who the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. In other words, he wants to separate you or disconnect you from your Creator. His whole job is really to disconnect you. His whole job is really, and again, I shared this with the guys yesterday, it's not really about your soul. It's actually about your faith. It's really, really when you give your life to Christ, you're a new creation. Old things pass away, behold, all things be, become new. And, and the love of God will always be there. It'll, it'll always be there. Now, it's up to you to decide whether you want to struggle your whole life or you want to give your life. Because if you want to, if you want to hold on to your life, then, you, then you'll live your life this way. If you don't want to hold on to your life, you live your life this way. You're giving not only of your generosity of your life, of your own finances, but I'm talking about, I'm talking about a generosity in your heart that gives your life away, that, that it's his to begin with. And, and, I, and, I think, and I think when I, 
when it comes to this subject, when it comes to this thought, there's two voices in our life. There's two frequencies all the way from the beginning. All the way from the beginning, Adam and Eve, in Genesis, it was two frequencies. It was the voice of God and the voice of the serpent. And, and the bigger question is today, which voice are we going to listen to? We know what Adam and Eve listened to, right? We know that they listened to the voice of the serpent. And when, when you listen to the voice of the serpent, I wrote something down. I said the voice of, the voice of Satan will always call you, call you uh, to be less while, while trying to make you feel like you're becoming more. Right, Because what, what did he do with Adam and Eve? He got, them, he got their eyes off of everything that God had said for them that they could have onto the one thing they could not have. Like if, like if you eat of that tree, you're going to be like God. Like always promising more but delivering less. It's exactly what the enemy does. And so the enemy wants to do from the beginning. It just wasn't a story about creation. It was a story about separation. Because that's, that's his plan. That's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to separate us. And so the enemy wants to do five things. He wants to bring doubt to the promises of God that have been laid out for your life. He wants to bring doubt in the midst of that. He wants you to doubt God. He wants to, to bring distortion. He wants to distort God's word in such a way that, that, that it's just so confusing to you. He wants to bring discouragement. There's discouragement. Then there's distraction. And I know none of us in here know what distraction is. None of us in here with cell phones know what distraction is. Some of you are like, I'm taking notes, Pastor, on my phone. Hashtag you're lying. You know you're updating your Instagram. There's always, but there's always distraction. There's always going to be something, and that's exactly how the enemy wants to do what he wants to do in your life. And so there's this distraction from this connection that we have with God. And so it's, it's a massive Massive struggle. And the enemy wants to not only bring that distraction, but at the end of it, he wants to bring division. Because he knows separation creates loneliness. Loneliness creates anxiety. And anxiety creates depression. This is where a lot of people live with anxiety and depression over their life. And it's living below the line of where God wants you to be. And we live on a, a sub-level when God wants you on a higher level with Him. Above that area. I heard an old pastor say at one time, living above the snake line. And I was like, what is that? Yeah, it's just an old school evangelist in, in America. He talked about... he. he spoke a message living above the snake line and it's there's certain places in in the u.s where where snakes won't go they only stay below a particular line probably because of the weather certain certain aspects of it certain things but which that would be great in australia come on somebody you got you guys have some snakes i mean i'm i'm telling you this is reptile land that's i'm well aware of that Living above the snake line. And I thought, wow, you know what? I want to live above that. I want to live above those, those moments where you just feel like all hell is breaking loose around you. And, 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 yet, and yet everything's peaceful in you. Like the, the problem, the problem with, with the struggle of the division of that and what the enemy wants to do is he wants to create the atmosphere of anxiety around you so he can create the atmosphere of anxiety in you. 
And God has so much more because that's not God's peace plan for our life. He wants us to step into peace and wholeness, not, not angst and anxiety and depression, right? And I'm not downgrading uh, if you're struggling with depression today because I really believe that's a serious thing. Mental health is a serious thing in America. Mental health is a serious thing all over the world. And it needs to be addressed. And it needs to be ministered to. There's so much that takes place in that, but, but this is exactly how the enemy works. He wants to divide and bring division. Because if you're depressed and you're living with anxiety, you don't want to be around anyone. You want to you you walk away from it. But I just promise you, if you're struggling with that, lean into it. Lean into the presence of God. Lean into the people of God that, that want the best for your life. They, they, they don't want you to live in that one day longer. And You may be having those thoughts and having those moments of anxiety in your life, but, but never walk away and unplug from it. Engage in it. It's like the bison. We have this bison, this buffalo thing back in the States in the, in the Midwest. And what I love about the bison, though, is the bison will... When a storm is coming, they don't run from the storm. Like all the other animals, they're hiding, they're, they're running away from the storm. The bison knows that the best way through the storm is to face the storm and walk into it. Because that's the shorter way to get out of it. So they lean into the storm. See, a lot of us run from the storm, and what God is wanting to do is work in the storm. He wants to work in the moment because he wants to be the one that can speak to the storms and say, you know what, peace, peace, be still. God's working in that. This is a couple of things that creates an atmosphere of anxiety in our life. And I'll hurry with this, but number one is this, is our words. Our words, are, we create our life by the words that we speak. Again, if there's anxiety around you, there's anxiety speaking out of you. There's words are powerful. Words are powerful. Fathers, dads in the room, words are powerful that you speak over your kids. We take it for granted sometimes. And, and, and what we say over our kids matter, and it, and it speaks into their heart and their life, and it, and it changes the trajectory of their life because of the words that you speak, because you're the leader. And, and, so, and so words are, are, are important. And, and I remember my grandmother from West Virginia, she, she would say, she would say like this, she would say, y'all, which is you all, okay, that's a southern term, y'all, so you all, and she would say bout, that's a, about, like, she, so she would say like this, y'all about to worry me to death, that's exactly how, now listen, we didn't worry her to death, because she lived to 94, okay, all right, she, so I guess worry worked, I don't know, but, <laughs> But she, she lived in 94, uh, but she would use those words, those terms, y'all about to worry me to death. And, and so, but, and listen, my grandmother, she, she would fry eggs and bacon and, and ham and, and what you call biscuits, we call, uh, we call biscuits. It's a cookie to you guys, but I don't know how to say it. It's scone type of thing, you know. So we had scones. So she ate that every day of her life, and she lived in 94. So all those on a, on a particular diet, eat what you want. You know, you'll live... <laughs> You'll live a long life. That's 94 years old. She could eat it every day. Cast iron skillet, fried up, grease everywhere, bacon grease. I mean, just, you know, you, you guys have some floppy bacon here. I'm not too keen on, but, like, we, we, would, we would cook the bacon like to crisp, man. It crack. 
lots. You know what I'm saying? And it's so good. I know you're hungry. That's why I'm saying it. I'm talking to you. You guys, let us go to Father's Day lunch, will you, Pastor? Come on. But, but that, that's, that, that was my grandmother. That was, she would use those words, y'all about to worry me to death. And, and those, are, those are words that shape your life. Right? So, so yes, she lived in 94, but listen, that, all she did was worry. That's not winning when you're worrying all the time. That's not winning. Listen, uh, number two is this. How about our approach? Some of us live with no margin, so we create this anxiety in us uh, and around us because we live with no margin. We spend more money than we make. And, and, uh, and, and you know, some of you students in here, you know, the assignment was a month ago, and you wait till the last day to do the assignment. Somebody's laughing right there. That's probably, that's probably a key. That's it right there. We, we called her out in church. Everybody look this way. Look right there. Green Green hoodie, she's pulling it up over her head right now. That's last minute procrastination, and so it creates. Isn't it true, though? It's our approach to life, so we create this anxiety around us. Listen, I, I'm the same way. Don't, don't feel bad. All right, so, so number three is this, wrong voices. How about, how about marinating on the wrong news? Come on, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, people in the house. The sky's falling, the sky's falling. It's doomsday. As Shane Willard would say, let us not be predictor, amateur predictors of doom. Okay? That's not our job. Our job is to bring heaven to earth. Not to be amateur predictors of doom. All right, wrong voices in our life. How about this? How about expectations, right? We, we expect everything to be rainbows and unicorns. And sk- do you have Skittles here? Like, the can- like Skittles falling from the sky. Like, ah. Oh. How many of us know life is not like that? I do too. By the way, I do love Skittles, but, but, but it's, life isn't like that. I wish it was. It's just not like that. It's, it's unrealistic expectations, actually. It's our expectations. How about shame? Some of us are hiding stuff, stuffing things down in our life where Christ has already forgiven you, but you're still carrying it. He, he tells us to cast our cares on him, not to reel them back in. Cast them. Release it. Let the fishing pole out of your hand. Like, literally, don't do that when you're fishing, but you get what I'm saying. Like, throw it out. Don't reel it back in. And a lot of us carry the shame for generations and over and over again. So connection creates this clarity. Clarity creates confidence, and confidence creates this courage. Let's go on with uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. They suddenly recognize that God is a living and personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us, nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. I can see that on everybody's face today. That's awesome. And, we, and so we are transfigured, much like Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful. So in other words, our life, when we're walking with Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our life, our life should become more brighter and more beautiful. Come on. Come on. We don't need Botox for that. We, come on. More brighter. Who wants to be, become more brighter and beautiful? Come on. Then serve Jesus. Come on. The, the, the way to the world that's on your life today, you don't have to carry that one more day. You can give it to Him, and your life will become more brighter and more Beautiful, and I always say, I always say, like life is like this. Sometimes life is brutal, because it can be brutal and beautiful at the same time, but it's rough 
it can be rough. It's beautiful. It's beautiful as God enters our lives and become more and more like Him. So there's a few mirrors in our life. One of them is the, the mirror of validation, and we all want validated. Like fathers today, man, you, you came, you're here, you want validated. Hey, man, I've done a good job. You know what I'm saying? It's just a validation of that. You want a pat on the back. Everybody likes validation. Everybody desires it. And the interesting thing about when it comes to validation is there's this old Disney classic called uh, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, if you remember that. And, and uh, I said in the first service, I, thought, I don't know if I get canceled for that, but Snow White and the Seven Little People, I don't know. I don't know how to phrase that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like culturally appropriate. So anyway, anyway, we'll just go with the Seven Dwarfs, the original. Okay, so, 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 so in there, there's the witch that says, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest one of them all. There was this validation that she desired, right? There was this validation. And, and listen, there's always going to be some, somebody more handsome than Joe. Come on, you know what I'm saying? There's always going to be, when Joe looks in the mirror, he's like, yeah, I'm a handsome guy. But then there's always going to be somebody better looking than Joe. <laughs> always. That's always going to be the case. Like, we, we're always looking for something. And so a lot of our culture is we scroll through Instagram, you know, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's got the most likes of them all? It's validation. Because it's validation, there's something in us that wants to be validated. Like, like you, you scroll through your story and like, well, Pastor Mark saw the story and he didn't like it. Right? We want, we want validation. We want this, this validation in, in our life. Like mirror, mirror on the wall, right? Who, who's got the best car of them all? Uh, mirror, mirror on the wall. And, so, and so, so you just keep going through life like this. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's got the most possessions of them all? Who's got the biggest house of them all? Like we're, we're trying to fill a God-sized hole in our heart with physical things. And it doesn't work. You cannot fill a spiritual void with physical things. You can't do it. You can't do it. No matter how much I want to live vicariously through my son that jumps out of airplanes, it will never. It's like it's just a manly thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I'm going to jump in airplanes. It's just, you know, go special forces. And, you know, as much as I want to live through that, I, I, it'll never satisfy my life. There will always be an empty space there because the space needs God in it. The hole in our hearts today is not, is not because we haven't tried to use physical things. I mean, my gosh, the guy that you brought up here, the father that you brought up here, this is the, the mountain of a, you know, the muscle. It's your bodyguard. Today. It started today. It started today. Yeah. Today, in Jesus' name, I don't want to prophesy, but you know, it's. <laughs> I hope you guys are having fun today in church. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have fun in church. We're supposed to have fun in church. But there's always these things <laughs> that we're trying to validate our life. And I, I was reading a, an article by Psychology Today. If you, it's such a good. It's just a good stream of, of articles in there because it's just, uh, it really helps me with people when pastoring people, you know, because, it, because mental health is a, is, a, is a crisis and there's so much in our culture that creating more that exasperates the mental, the mental health side of things. And, and this is how my brain works. I'm a little ADD, so I'm going back to the muscle thing. Um, 
as much as you work out, as much as you want to work out, it still doesn't feel. I mean, you can look like the mountain tree of a man that just walked up here, but, but I, I promise you, he would tell you, yeah, it doesn't fill the, the God-sized hole in my heart. Only he can, right? But back to psychology today, and we're going back around to that. Uh, there's three mirrors I want to end with real quick. Um, the, the studies have shown that there's three mirrors that we look into. And one mirror is, is the mirror of failure or rejection. In other words, I am what I did. But, but, but here's my thing with it. It's, it's okay to take responsibility for what you've done. There's nothing wrong with that. You should. Right? If you ended up in jail, you probably should take responsibility of it and not say, I didn't do it. Yeah, you did. That's why you're there. But take responsibility. That's good. But, it, but here's the thing about, about failure. Failure should never define you. Failure is an event. It's not a person. So you're not a failure. That was an event in your life. What failure should help you do is fall forward into the presence of God. Like, like knowing that, you know what, I did come up short. That's okay. I know God's got my back. I know God has the grace, uh, enough grace in this life to catapult me forward so I can learn from my failures. That's not going to define who I am. I'm not what my failures have said and what my failures have defined me as. He always, God never sees you uh, by what you did, but he will always, he always sees you as what you could become. The second mirror is this, the mirror of social pressure. I am who they say I am. No, you're not. No, you're not. They can't cancel you. Don't be defined by social pressure. It never goes well. It never goes well. That's why I haven't got my motorcycle license. I know that's like out of the blue, isn't it? Just a weird statement right in the middle of the message. And the reason why I say that is my wife got her motorcycle license. She rides a motorcycle. She drives an Indian. I know, right? Maybe she should be doing the Father's Day message. You know what I'm saying? Maybe she should be. But I'm not, going to, I'm not bound to social pressure, Joe. I'm not going to do it. I don't think it would go well for me. Don't bow to social pressure. And the, and the next one that they, they talk about is the mirror of inferiority, that I'm not enough. The enemy will always tell you that you're not enough. God will always say you're more than enough. Which voice are we going to listen to today? And the weird thing about creation is I love artists. They're, they're amazing to me. Uh, singers, painters, they, they just they have such a creative mind. And we all know creatives are really easy to get along with. That was a dad joke. <laughs> and so cre- when, when, when people are so creative, they... They, they can make an abstract painting, and, and you can look at that painting, and you're like, you know, and it doesn't matter which way my, my brain turns or 
moves, I, I still don't understand it. So, so to understand what's abstract to me, I've got to ask the one who created it to help me with it. So you already know where I'm going. To understand how God has wired you and created you, you got to go to the Creator. Because if we're disconnected from the Creator, we've disconnected our identity, we've disconnected our hope, we've disconnected the strength that, that we can find in Christ. We, we disconnect. When, when we're separate from that and disconnected from it, We'll always think that we're not enough. But when you connect to the Creator, He says, listen, you're more than enough. You're more than what others have said about you. You're more than what your dad or your mom said about you years ago or a teacher or an authority over you has said about you. You are more than enough. Jesus was clear about it how much you're worth because he stretched out his hands. He laid his life down. That's how much you're worth. A life that was perfect. A perfect lamb. The lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. The lamb of God that came to take away the sin of the world. The lamb of God that was perfect and without sin. Said, I'm willing to give my life. So that you'll never have to feel like you're less than. But I want you to feel like you're more than a conqueror in and only in Christ Jesus so if we could in this moment, just bow our heads just for a moment. Close our eyes. Before Pastor Joe comes up to close it out, I just want to I want to ask if there's anyone in the room today that you're not connected to your Creator. You feel far from God. That's okay. My prayer is today that, that we, we took you from a negative 10 to a negative 9. But, but, if, you, but if you decide to say, you know what, I, I, I want to connect with my Creator. I want to know more about Jesus. I want to give my life to Him and open up my life so that, so that I can never feel this way. I don't want to feel, I want to carry the burden of feeling not enough one more day. I want to take the things on my life and I want to cast it on Him because He, he actually cares and He actually loves me and he gave his life for me if you're in this room today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior if that's you, every head bowed every eye closed, what I'm going to ask you to do is just lift your hand and say, Pastor can you pray for me today, is there anyone like that in the room anyone like that in the room, just lift your hand it's just between me, you and the Lord, anyone else anyone else I see that hand. You can put it right back down. Thank you for being honest.
It's a couple of prayers that are going to be prayed today as, we're, as every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you know what? I, I feel just overwhelmed by anxiety and depression in my life. I'm just overwhelmed by it. I feel so overwhelmed. I, I don't know what to do. It's just, it, it, it controls my life every day. If that's you in this room, say, hey, pastor, can you pray for me? I just want you to lift your hand up. Is there anyone like that? Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yep, I see that hand. You can put it right back down. Anyone else? Anyone else? Good, 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 good. Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name, I thank you for those who raised their hands to receive Christ in this moment. That they've already decided in their heart before they raised their hand that, Lord, I want you in my life. I thank you for that. And we celebrate that, Father. I just thank you for those who, who right now are just saying, you know what, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Here it is. Make me brand new. I don't want to be what others want me to be. I want, I want to be what you want me to be. And I give my life to you. And I also pray for those, I also pray for those in the room right now who have struggled with depression and anxiety over their life. I, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just minister your grace to them. I, I thank you, God, for what you're doing right now in the hearts and the lives of those who are wrestling with this part, God. I know that there's incredible doctors, incredible physicians that can help with this, these situations, but I also know the great physician. I know that you, God, can turn it around in their life and that you that they can cast this on you because you care for them. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just continue to work in a, in a greater capacity in their life as they become more aware and encountering your presence that all the things in their life that they're, they're struggling with internally, God, would be broken over their life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I just thank you, Father, for it. We love you because you are a good, good Father. We thank you for it. In your name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys. I love you.